going to start off by harking back to the quote that I opened with in the previous episode. This time, as you listen, I ask that you try and reflect even deeper on what it means to you. Once again, French-American artist Louise Bourgeois said that an artist can show things that other people are terrified of expressing. With that, now nestled at the forefront of our minds, I will now tell you a story. It's the account of an individual's journey and the vicissitudes of their life. It's a story about human fragility and the transcendent and powerful influence of authenticity. Welcome back to Audio Authentic. I'm your host, Maria Garcia, and this is your unofficial guide to being you. Before I begin, I must be honest with you and say how much I struggled with this episode. I wrestled with fears that the content may not be very palatable for some, and I grappled with a myriad of insecurities that followed this train of thought, prolonging its release. You see, the story that I'm about to tell contains difficult themes such as depression, abuse, and suicide. However, It is also a story about inexplicable strength, unfounded perseverance, and harnesses the capacity to change and potentially even save lives. Something that I continually found myself having to contend with, and there were many things, was whether or not to add a trigger warning at the start of this episode. I thoroughly considered it, however, I was incapable of ignoring this persistent sense that in doing so, I would simply be adding to the stigma that already exists around these matters. I found myself at odds with my own authenticity and getting caught up in the they, as we previously discussed. I also observed how the pressure to do this episode justice began to foster unhealthy thought patterns within me, and, like a parasite, it drained me of all of my energy, creating an impasse for my creativity and ambition. My wish isn't to bestow my listeners with the option to opt out of a difficult conversation especially when the point is to be uncomfortable because that is precisely where growth takes place. Alternatively, my wish is to create a space for authentic conversations regardless and in spite of how difficult or dark the subject matter may be. If I have set out to advocate for authenticity, and I have, then my job first and foremost is to conquer my fears around whatever I think they want me to say. Furthermore, my job is to be a voice for those who cannot speak or are simply not there yet. This is the account of a brazenly authentic young man's life. As you listen, I implore you to recall the quote that I open with. 
and that you heed those words as you absorb the experiences of his life and his family's. I also ask that you try your best to persevere through any feelings of discomfort that may emerge as a result. This is a story about a man named David, a musician, an artist, who lived in a world that wanted him to be like everybody else. A world that he so desperately tried to be a part of and ultimately left far too early. David was just 26 years old when he died. He tragically committed suicide on the evening of August 28, 2020, at around 9 p.m. On the same day that he was discharged from inpatient care at the Royal Alexandra Hospital in Edmonton, Alberta, where he would fatefully spend the final and fleeting two weeks of his precious life. He jumped off the northwest side of the high-level bridge, but only after a seven-year-long and arduous battle with his declining mental health and an untreated case of complex PTSD. In order to tell you David's story properly, however, I must go back to the tender years of his childhood, where this story begins. David was a gentle and sensitive boy. Wearing his soul on the outside, he never put on the exoskeleton of falsehoods that so many of us wear in order to protect our true selves and fit in with the rest. Being so steadfastly authentic, however, rendered him vulnerable to an ever so superficial world that is not taught to covet such things. As you will hopefully recognize, David was a fighter and I am utterly aware that to try and declare the purity of this human, whom you will regrettably never meet, is done so in vain. In the last seven years of David's life, his mental health soared downward to ever more darker places. You see, he and his siblings endured years of child abuse. Their mother, who rightfully so suffered from demons of her own, became emotionally, mentally, and physically abusive in their younger and more vulnerable years. And both of their parents neglected the consequences and the toll that it took on their innocent bodies and minds. David and his siblings grew up as first-generation Latin Americans. Growing up in Canada, they became the byproduct of two different cultures melded together. On the outside, his parents were what one could call the quintessential immigrant parent stereotype. Strict, overbearing, and too involved at times. However, they never failed at setting a remarkable example for hard work and making something out of nothing. They built a successful business from the ground up after moving to Canada while raising five children. They were exceptionally driven people. However, the trials they faced to build their success had jaded any hope for creative ambition. Alas, they reinforced a career over creative mentality. Going back to David, 
The abuse that he and his siblings experienced unequivocally hurt him the hardest, and his decline in dissociation from this world undeniably stemmed from these early events. To this day, his four remaining siblings have never been able to fully reconcile what had happened to them, though they tried to escape it in a multitude of ways. They all carried the weight of a broken heart far too early, and David's childlike spirit was sensitive to the world and continually buckled under their pressure. As children in elementary school, his sister, although just two years older than him, would pray that the other students and teachers would be kind and give reprieve to his gentle and imaginative soul, knowing that the atmosphere that awaited them back home would be none of those things. Sadly, the world was not kind to David. This included his teachers and peers. Frustratingly so, he didn't even become jaded or falsified by the bullying and rejection of others. His authenticity persevered, making him a constant target. Why is it, I feel compelled to ask, that we praise thick skin over being vulnerable? Why are we conditioned to lose what makes us authentic in favor of abiding by the status quo? Why are we expected to lose our childlike spirits in order to grow up and become a respectable member of society? Evidently, David and his siblings would glide through the Edmonton public school system, always remaining unnoticed. They each attended the same high school, which spans to a decade of time roaming the same halls, and not once did they receive any support or intervention from their teachers, counselors, or community, in spite of all the signs that they each incidentally displayed. They would never dare seek the help of others either for fear of exposing their shame and the repercussions of that. Even greater for fear of losing each other as they had become fiercely unified and isolated in their trauma. After graduating high school, David began to isolate himself even more. Weeks to months would go by where his family would not hear from him and he would not reach back for their olive branches. After a while, his family even started to normalize this behavior. He pushed them away from his pain in order to protect them from more suffering, believing that it was better to suffer in silence, not realizing that they were doing the same. Only desiring to put others before himself, he grew incapable of outwardly expressing how much he still indeed cared, loving them so deeply that it actually started to hurt him. He became so rigid in his pain, white-knuckling his way through life, and his family could only watch as the invisible and impenetrable walls went up. One can perhaps begin to imagine how the alienation must have exhausted the spirit out of him. Seven years ago, David would first speak of his intentions to jump off the bridge, 
describing it as a nagging and intrusive thought. Thereupon, his family played helpless witnesses to the darkest turn in David's mental health yet. David didn't keep many friends. In high school, he naively formed bonds with people who did not have his best interest at heart. This allowing him to fall victim to the pressure of his peers. He relied on the deceitful acceptance that he thought he found in them. Inevitably, the multitude of events that he experienced enveloped him in a thick web of guilt and toxic shame, solidifying his grave resolve to hide away. As the years passed, his isolation grew more worrisome and his family yearned to know him once again. In an attempt to intervene, his mother began admitting him to hospitals, though her efforts were tenuous. Thus began a saga of disjointed hospital visits, police interventions, and various diagnoses, all trying to ascertain what could possibly be so wrong with David. This would also mark the beginning of a horrendous cocktail of drugs from a myriad of doctors, altering his reality even further and played to the feelings of isolation and lack of normalcy. No one gave him the proper attention that he needed. Nobody could see that he just needed a friend and his dignity back. Unaware that the truth of his pain was in his childhood, buried deep in his subconscious and locked behind his mother's iron lips. Mutiny against authenticity. In spite of how the world had rejected him, right to the bitter end, David, the artist, remained faithful to his craft. He was a musician, and he produced his own music under the name Avalon Riot. To this day, you can still visit his page on SoundCloud. Unfortunately, towards the latter end of his mental decline, after years of trauma and disjointed care, and after various mind-deafening medications, David began to suffer bouts of psychosis. Two weeks before he died, in a painful moment of insecurity, he decided to delete all of the music off of his computer. Today, when you visit his page on SoundCloud, you will find it blank without any of his music anymore. Luckily, his family, determined to revive any part of him that they could, were able to recover it. Unbeknownst to them, he had three completed albums and upwards of 70 songs that he created alone using FL Studio, self-taught, without the use of templates. They hadn't realized how prolific his musical abilities had become. They hadn't seen that side of him in years. David had become conditioned to believe that hiding away was his lot in life, for the price of being something that he could not change, so ostensibly authentic. I'm certain that, as you've listened, there have been moments where you can relate to who David was. Whether it's the budding yet closeted artist, or someone who's frightened and stuck in the traumas of their past, these are all themes we can relate to. Because it all boils down to one thing, losing our authenticity. What makes us unbashedly who we truly are, and the pain that comes along with that. I'm saying we can talk about it, 
and we should. This story is not only personal to me, it's personal for you too, for all of us. Though this is my story and David was my brother, it's not only that. David is your story, your friend's story too. It's your neighbors and the people who pass us on the street and in the coffee shop. David is you and me. David has done so much for us. His love for music and for humanity was unshakable. In the first episode, I alluded to reasons apart from COVID and the nagging pursuit of perfectionism that kept me from starting this podcast at all. And since he left this world, it's become my purpose in life to carry on, step out of my own way, and bring change to the way that we handle mental health and covet authenticity as a society. It's been time for change for much too long. On the morning of Friday, May 28th, I had the unique opportunity of using my voice, stretching my own authenticity to new heights, defying even my own expectations. I rose in front of the Edmonton City Council and used my brother's story to appeal to the Community and Public Services Committee for better suicide awareness and prevention. I asked for better barricades on the bridge. I asked for better initiatives and support for the people who are suffering with mental health and for families who are grieving. The immediate pressures and demands of life become unwitting distractions from being able to holistically process the traumas that we experience in life. We're expected to just move on, but how and where to? Why do we have to suffer in silence? In the following weeks after the city council meeting, I hadn't realized the outreach and magnitude that my words had made. A myriad of people reached out who had listened to me speak, including those of the Canadian Mental Health Association and various Edmonton municipal workers asking me for what change can and should be made. I want to use my voice, these opportunities, and this platform to highlight and embrace the unique power of the individual and the importance of knowing and being thyself, to find meaning in our lives in spite of our suffering. Because there's beauty in that. You don't only have to survive this life, you can thrive in it too. If this episode happened to strike a chord with you, I want you to know that you're not alone, and I'll attach resources that you can turn to if you need a listening ear, including an email for this show. Also, please share this content if you think it would help anyone who you know is in need of a reminder that they are still a part of this world. Tune in to the next episode, won't you? where I have the unique opportunity of hosting Councillor Scott McKean and policy advisor Rebecca Vischer as guests on the show. We can only turn ripples into waves by continuing the conversation and ceaselessly believing in the power of authenticity. David produced music for almost a decade and he didn't share his art with the world enough. 
I am honored to share it for him and his story. I want to close this episode with one of the songs he produced. It's called Until the End by Avalon Riot. <laughs> 